A lot of great things coming to Rock Hill. It really was the people of Rock Hill. How many things does Rock Hill have going on? And you get to be a part of that. Now it's like, wow, I wanna be there. I wanna live there. I wanna go there. It is extraordinary. The changes that have happened and what I really believe is just the next really great city in South Carolina. Hello and welcome to Rock Hill CityCast. My name is Matthew Cray. To my right, co-host Ashley Studebaker, and we aim to keep you informed on all things going on inside the city of Rock Hill. Today we have a very important man in the house, uh, Rock Hill Police Chief Chris Watts. How's it going? Doing great. Good afternoon to both of you guys. Well, uh, before we get started with what you do and how you got to where you are, actually, that's exactly what I want to ask you, is how you got to where you are. Uh, give us the story of where, maybe where you grew up, where you went to school, and how you got to Rock Hill. So I grew up in Rock Hill, went to Rock Hill High, and uh, my kind of direction was more EMS. That's what I did in the 80s and decided to make a change to law enforcement. Uh, that was back in the late 80s, and I have been with Rock Hill Police Department since. i uh, been the chief for nine and a half years now and still enjoy the job greatly. Awesome. Ashley, how are you doing today? I'm doing lovely. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I wanna we want to get to know you and some of the things you enjoy a little bit. So what we're going to do is we're going to put a minute on the clock. Oh, my favorite. Good. And we're going to put you on a speed round of questions. So okay. these, these are just about you. You ready? Mm-hmm. What do you, what's the first thing you do when you get home from work? Um... Uh, Grab a glass of tea. All right. What does an off day look like for you? Uh, working in the yard. Favorite place to eat in Rock Hill? That's um, flip side. All right. Regular fries, curly fries, or waffle fries? Ooh. Regular fries. What's the last thing you watched on TV? Um, don't want to lot, watch a lot of TV, but okay. uh, uh, America's Got Talent. All right. Favorite breed of dog? Uh, golden retriever would you rather have one random meeting canceled per month or one random bill one random bill all right <laughs> if if you weren't uh, a cop what job would you have i'd probably still be an ems all right what did you want to be when you were younger uh trash man what's the <laughs> longest you've ever gone without sleep uh probably 32 hours and what is something you have to do in order to fall asleep Nothing. I can go to sleep about any time. Awesome. Well, that's, that's was it, a minute. Okay, so was it the truck? <laughs> was it the trash truck that was intriguing to you? I don't or? know. That's what my mom told me that I wanted to be <laughs> was a trash man. Okay. So, All right. You just uh, ran with it, Mom. Yeah. Mama says. Yeah. So, nice. uh, yeah. So, you know, we got to know the fun side of you. Now we can get to know the business side of all that you do. So can you just let us know what all falls under the umbrella as chief of police? So, first of all, it is protecting and serving the citizens of Rock Hill. What's the city now is over 74,040 40 square miles. So we encompass that area and that population. And that includes the people that work and visit in Rock Hill. So that's the overall thing that we're here for as a police department but then i'm the one that's kind of in charge of making sure that the police department is set up in a way that we can serve the citizens um, efficiently and and provide that quality service so there's a major that handles the daily operations and then we have five captains so we have five different divisions in the department we have patrol division that everybody's always familiar with we have a criminal investigations division 
which a lot of people call the detective division. We have a technical services that has the jail dispatch or kind of an IT part. Uh, and then we have professional standards, which is the SROs, that is the um, training section and the internal affairs section of our department. And we just added a new uh, division, which is the community engagement division. Uh, I think we'll talk about that in a little bit more detail, but that is just to really focus on issues in the community. When you became chief, I'll use uh, a head coach of a football team as an example. They all have their uh, the culture that they want to build. What were some of the cornerstones of the culture that you've built over the years? Um, I wanted to have a great teamwork among everyone. I really wanted to have a good community connection with our citizens. Um, those were two of the biggest things. And be just efficient and um, good at what we do, trying to solve crime, trying to prevent crime. And, and we do education on top of that. So we have... Um you know, everybody's familiar okay we have like our city police and then we have the state troopers who unfortunately i have become all too familiar with over my years of driving but um and then we have our <laughs> county law enforcement um so what things fall under your jurisdiction as opposed to state troopers and whatnot sure so there's three main objectives for a municipal police department one is to reduce crime Two is to improve traffic safety and three, enhance quality of life. So everything we do should be pointed trying to solve or improve their those areas. So you talk about highway patrol. Their main function is to improve traffic safety. Uh, they're not as concerned about the other two. That's not their mission. Now, in York County, they have the th the same three goals because they have a traffic unit. So it is reducing crime, it is improving traffic safety, and it is enhancing quality of life. In some sheriff's departments around the state and around the nation, they really don't delve into traffic. So that's kind of our, those are our three areas that we focus on. And, and every again, everything we do, we try to focus on those and improving them. So what uh, differentiates when you're responding to an, uh, an event? whether it's you guys or the county? So our jurisdiction is the city limits of Rock Hill. Each, okay. like Fort Mill and Clover, that is their police department's jurisdiction. The county, the sheriff's department's jurisdiction for general law enforcement services is the unincorporated area of the county. Now, the county has jurisdiction throughout the whole county, but each of the municipal police departments are responsible for their area. When we need help, the county's there, um, and, and technically all the police departments are there to help us or we're there to help them, but we're the primary response for the city of Rock Hill. If we need help, we would call the sheriff's department first. And the unincorporated area loosely defined is just any area that doesn't fit within the limits of a city or a town? In that is correct. Okay. So... I think it's uh, fair to ask because so many people are just like, oh, they see a police officer and they're like, you know, how did they get there? I don't know. But you don't just get a degree from a university or a college. What kind of qualifications does an officer need to to do the job? Well, first, to be successful is wanting to do the job. Uh, not everybody can do the job, but there's many jobs I can't do. But first is having kind of that desire. Uh, it's a tough job many times. It's a very rewarding job. Well, some of the skill sets is, number one, um, is writing. Everybody talks, you always think about a, a gun, but we spend far more time. I say a pen, now it's a computer. My days, it was a pen. 
but it is uh, communicating. It is writing or typing a narrative of something that happened so we can make some type of progress, whether it's a criminal charge to get uh, some bad guy off the street or it's a communication to solve a problem uh, that we have in the city. So one is just communication and writing skills, um, problem-solving skills, and good judgment. Now, if you have a degree in criminal justice or higher education, that is absolutely wonderful, uh, but it is not absolutely necessary either. If if you're a person that can get along with others, have a good problem-solving ability and a communication in writing, you can really go for. So does, uh, can how a person recounts a series of events really affect what happens on the back end? Oh, absolutely. Um, but it's our job to make sure a person, if we're talking to a witness, that they're recounting it right. So yeah. there's questions we can go through uh, because a lot of times the three of us could see the same incident and we're going to describe it different because we focus on different things and that's just nature that's how it works so it's our job when we talk to witnesses trying to ask the right questions in the right way to get the right information well is there a i'm guessing there's a certain skill that goes into that i don't want you to divulge all your secrets but can you give us an example of of that so uh there's classes like interview interrogation yeah um a lot of it's just experience is learning how to talk to people uh, that seems to uh, be more of a, uh, a skill maybe that is going away a little bit because of technology, but it is really looking and communicating. And you can read a lot from a person without them saying anything from their body language, their eyes, their facial expressions. And that's something that we're always honing our skills there of trying to get better trying to get to the right information or the truth well if you ever need our help i can be good cop ashley can be bad cop (laughs) and and we'll get the truth there you go (laughs) so you have been in rock hill your whole life and specifically working for the city of rock hill for quite some time so you've seen a lot of growth and you know how has that kind of affected how you plan things or how you go about things now in your day-to-day job yeah we're we're constantly planning things have changed drastically over the last 20 years and especially the last uh, 10 years so we have regular meetings to talk about such things so when we have big events like we just had the adidas there was planning that we just didn't say hey we're going to send some officers there were months of planning to how do we best utilize our resources to get people where they need to be and so we're constantly doing that especially on a regular basis from crime we do that um, to say this is our problem this is the plan and then we go back and evaluate are we is our plan working because we're using with our crime analyst uh, the data and so we're constantly talking about events that are coming up growth or maybe a new neighborhood that's people are finally moving into how do we police that how do we manage our zones because we have 11 zones in in the city to maximize uh, one of the things that we really try to do is respond uh, quickly and safely on priority one police calls and and we do a good job we want it under uh, 4.7 minutes on on a priority priority one call and, and we do a very good job we're way below that 
Has the influx of people made it more difficult or has it just simply kind of put more things before you to have to solve? I think it's more putting things to solve. I don't think it makes it more difficult. It just we have to plan and think about what we're doing versus just haphazardly, you know, throwing people out there. We want to play some right. And we again, we use our intelligence. We use our uh, our data from crime and calls for service. Most everything generates we're looking at placing is where our calls for service are coming because if we we may have a neighborhood that we're still patrolling but we rarely get any calls for service from well and then we have another adjacent neighborhood that we have a lot of calls obviously that's where we're going to put some of our our resources to try to solve those problems all right so i'll let you pick the crime in this question uh but how do you guys handle responding to a crime all right so um if we get a call for service and a stolen bicycle, one officer goes, talks to the person. Right. So let's put something, a, a, the top crime or is, is a murder. So when we have that, obviously patrol goes first, and then we're going to send a group of detectives, and they're going to split up. If someone's going to the hospital, we're going to have a group of detectives that are working with the witnesses and the crime scene investigators at the scene. Then we're going to send detectives to the hospital if their witness is there, or to other locations. Um, if we have, let's just make it more complicated, and there's a getaway car, and they're going into another police jurisdiction, there's detectives working with the other jurisdictions trying to get them the information. So it's 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 a lot of stuff going on, um, but it's kind of coordinated. We do it. We know what everybody knows their job, and um, and and you kind of do it systematically, but. Again, when you go out, it just depends on the resources. There's cer- certain calls. Maybe we have a, a hostage situation, and you know the SWAT team comes in. But everybody's working together, communicating, and we make those decisions based on the circumstances and the totality of that particular event. So there's something called, and I hope I say it, Kalia. Kalia. Sort of, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, can you just kind of let us know what is that and um, how long has the city been Kalia certified? Okay. So Kalia is short for Commission on Accreditation for Law Enforcement Agencies, and that is for the police department. Like the fire department's got an ISO rating. Mm-hmm. I don't understand that, but ours is for policing, and again, for short, it's Kalia. So we first became nationally accredited, and that's what CLE is, a national certification or or accreditation, uh, in 2001. We're now just in 19, we just passed our seventh um, reaccreditation. So it's every two, three years? It was every three. Okay. Now it's every four years, Uh and in the three and four years, they sent assessors from other, other states to come in, Make sure our files are right, ride with the officers, and make sure we do what we say we're doing and uh, that we're doing and making sure that our policies meet the standards. So when you're nationally accredited, there's 458 standards you must meet. Uh, it doesn't matter if you're San Diego, California, or Rock Hill, South Carolina. The standards are the same, but obviously San Diego is much different than Rock Hill. State laws are different. Liabilities are different. The technology we have in the communities are different. So we all have to meet the same standard, but we get to write our policies to fit Rock Hill. But they still got to meet the standard. We can't skip anything. So there's only about somewhere in the neighborhood of 
12% of all uh, law enforcement agencies in the U.S. that are nationally accredited. There's 18,000 law enforcement agencies from the FBI all the way down to tribal campus uh, police and state police. So, And there's just under a million police officers, the last numbers that I heard. So it's uh, it takes a lot of work, and I think it's a big deal. It's something that we feel proud of. Uh, but it also keeps us on track. So sometimes in policies in any organization, things get busy and you can push that aside. We don't push it aside. We meet once a month to go through our policy manual, the whole manual every year. If I'm, I tell everybody that I hold you accountable to those policies, well, they have to be up to date. So we spend a lot of time and effort uh, to make sure that we compliant and we do what we say. And you, so you said 18,000? There's 18,000 law enforcement agencies. So that'd be agencies. like 2,000 2, of the 18,000 that are it's a accredited. Small and I guess it, it probably makes you feel good and a little affirmed that Rock Hill is one of those groups, correct? Absolutely. And then, you know, we've gone through since Ferguson in 14 in the Charlotte area, a lot of different troubled times. And when people call us, you know, what do you do? How do you do this? Well, we already have a policy on this. It's up to date. Um, so that's really helps with police community relations. We can show you that we already have the policy because uh, not every police department has a full set of policies. Uh, so that really helps us in that um, community relations that we have it, we acknowledge it, and that's what uh, the expectation for our officers to follow. So, just speaking of different like troubled times that you know different areas of the country have taken on how do you there there's a barrier there that it seems like between you know police department and just community members right. um no matter who how do you attack that barrier and just kind of like i guess try to Bridge break it down gap. you know yeah. so first of all it is with every contact a member of the police department has with anyone outside the department that might be the officer making a traffic stop. That may be the secretary in CID, criminal investigations division, answering a call or a question. That may be somebody calling records. Is how we treat those people. Do they feel like we care and we're interested in what they have? And do we provide them the information that we're legally able to provide them? So that is a department. A lot of people put the community policing but it's really is how do we engage the citizens or the people that we come across. That's where it really starts. You know, I can say that I expect you to treat everybody professionally and respectfully, but if they don't, well, me just saying it doesn't mean a lot. But I think in our engagements across that, we've done really well. I think we have a good police community relationship with Rock Hill. We're fortunate because the community is not just us reaching out. They're reaching out back to us and not all communities have that. So I think we're very blessed and fortunate that we can kind of meet and communicate uh, and figure out ways to better. It's kind of, I've said this before, it's kind of like a marriage. If you think it's good and then all of a sudden you just ignore it, it'll go bad really quick. So on our side, we're always every day trying to continue to build that level of trust and communication. But again, I have to say we're very fortunate that the re the community responds to that and reaches back out to us to to have that relationship. Well, as you continue to work on that 
quote unquote marriage or relationship, you mentioned a community engagement division. Right. Uh, talk a little bit about where that idea came from and what it's designed to do. Community engagement. Uh, that's what it's designed to do. But to expand on that, there's a lot of things we do. Uh, and this was all resting on the shoulders of the patrol lieutenant zoning issues. Um, working with we have a uh, uh, a problem or growing problem with the homelessness uh, opioid issues so all of these things that came up and we have calls coming in from neighborhoods that we they have concerns and we've always put that on patrol and it got to the point that we're growing this is part of the growth that we need to focus on and not let some of these issues you know we need to have good follow-through so the community engagement is, again, taking everything involved in the community for zoning issues, from quality of life issues in neighborhoods and businesses, and it also encompasses the community services division that we already have. Um, so that stays there in dealing directly with community service stuff. But two of the main things that I want to start out with in this is, one, to have a police cadet program, recruiting uh, just police in general all over the nation. I think just getting people to work at all is a, a, is a challenge across the U.S., but especially police. So I want to start a, um, a police cadet program for high school-age kids that helps with recruiting and it helps with community relations. Um, and the other thing, uh, on some of our violent crimes, we've had a number of crimes um, that are involving younger and younger people you know, high school age. And that's concerning for us. We do uh, a really good job of investigating the crime, figuring out who did it, and making the arrest, putting it, you know, before the the court system. But that's not going to solve our problem. We have to go beyond just putting people in jail. So the other part is, um, I don't know the what the actual title will be, but it will be a teen violence initiative. It's already ongoing. We're working with um, our solicitor's office in the juvenile justice uh, side. Um, we're working with other civic leaders and uh, some principals in the schools. And how do we meet those kids that we can possibly have um, a positive effect? Uh, and this is a small group. When I'm talking about these kids it's really a small group if you look at all the high school age kids around rock hill very small however when those crimes happen makes a big impact and it destroys again a, a young person's life as well as uh, the victim and, and their family so we want to find out a way that we can get those that we can reach and work with others we can't do it by ourselves and make a difference hopefully in teen violence by having some type of connection in working and mentoring. You mentioned that Rock Hill Police Department is fortunate enough to have community reach out to the department itself, which is rare. Is that is that the best way to kind of just bridge that gap? Or are there other ways that you guys would appreciate the community to come to you guys with? You know, uh, two things for, for action for the community. One, if you see a police officer and you really feel it in your heart, tell them thank you. Appreciate you serving. That goes such a long way for uh, a long way for an officer when they hear that it's easy to do um but the, the the other thing is just if you see something or you have a concern call us um 
you know, there's a lot of concerns that people won't call us about, and we'll find out later. Maybe something blows up, and then we're involved. But if people see something suspicious, and this is said over and over and over, but we really mean it, we'd rather go and check on something, and it turns out to be nothing. And most of the time, it will be nothing. It's like anything else. Uh, when we when we're looking for someone in a crime. We never get them the first time. We've got to, you know, we're going to stop several cars. We're going to call several people. We're going to uh, talk with several people. And most of the people we talk to on the front end is not the bad guy. It's just like anything else. So you have to work through that process. So when if people call and say, hey, this is doesn't look right or suspicious or I have a concern, and it may not be about a crime, it may be a quality of life issue, then we really want to hear about it. We have a group called HELP that uh, when we have, a, uh, a say, a, a resident that we keep going to, uh, we try to send out a group when nothing's going on, how can we help? Maybe it's a substance abuse issue, maybe it's a mental health issue, and we partner with Catawba Mental Health, Keystone, and other groups to try to provide service before or to end problems, because that's why we're there the first time, because we're getting repeated calls. So I know you guys are in the process of trying to uh, bring police officers on to hire them. What what kind of people are you looking for? People that want to be police officers. No, uh, <laughs> you know, this is um, a really good place to work. Um, but we're just lo- really looking for people that want to do this job. If you got a college education, that is wonderful. If you have a high school education, that's wonderful too. Um, we try to encourage and and, and uh, get the message out. This is a good place to live. This is a good place to work uh, in the city, and it's a good place to police. Um, it's very in calls. It's very diverse from stolen bicycles to aggravated assaults. You don't want all of any of those. So we have everything in between, and we have an opportunity for people to actually, the officers, to look, patrol to follow through leads in their cases. But we want people that have that mentality. And and really, it's about serving. And people always say helping people, um, which is absolutely the truth. The impact that we can have on individuals can be life-changing. but we want those people that want to help, that want to get out, and that want a challenge because it's basically an outdoor job that is a challenge. So I feel like I can see any police officer walking down the road and think that, okay, the most rewarding part of their job is just helping the community. But can you give a more descriptive answer of really like, you've been in this for a long time, mm-hmm. so what's really the most rewarding thing for you and what you've done? For me personally, it's the challenge. I mean, if you're just looking at it, me personally, it is the challenge of doing the job, which is is, is not something you can start out. You're always learning, um, and and it's always a problem there to be solved. So that's that's the challenge. But the end result to that challenge is there is a satisfaction and a purpose in the job. It is a profession and that I can say that I did something good that helped someone. Again, there's so many different ways to help, a nurse, a teacher. I mean, it's just so many different professions, but the combination for me, it is a challenge. I personally enjoy working for the people. I have 
or we have as a city a great staff at Rock Hill Police Department that they love what they do. They're very good at it, and they have a passion for it. So I enjoy working, you know, the people uh, with the people at the police department, and I enjoy working for the city also. All right, so this is this is more of a fun question, uh, but when you start talking about detectives and crime, my brain starts thinking about TV shows and movies that I've seen. Oh, Lord. What's one thing that the TV shows and movies get right about what you do, and what's one thing that it's like, ah, oh, they'll never show that on there, that, that that's not per- depicted well? Well, some of the technology that they show is correct. Yeah. You just can't do it in an hour. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, to, to get DNA back, to get some of the lab services, uh, you're just not going to get it back that day. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of stuff going on around around the city, the county, and the state. So um, it, it takes a while to get results. Even if you're looking at forensics with a computer, well, there's a lot of data in the computer, so you've got to figure out what's useful. So the biggest thing is the time frame that people think. Okay. Again, most of the technology is accurate. Now, sometimes how they use it is not the most accurate. Yeah. But that's kind of the right thing and generally what can be done, but the time frame is really you know, I, out there. I may be off here, but I feel like people who don't have a good understanding of what police officers do, they see that and that's in their head and they think, oh, that's how it's supposed to happen. Right. Well, it's even fingerprints. Um, you can't get fingerprints off everything. Uh-huh. And s- sometimes uh, you just can't get fingerprints uh, the way something was touched, you may not be able to get a good fingerprint, like a glass. You know, we can process it, and, you know, most of the time you can get a print, but maybe there's a glass that for a number of reasons, the environment, how the person grabbed, you don't get a print. So it's what we do is not always 100% and get results. My my, I have a fun question, too, but it's really just for me to find out. I need to solve this in my head. I am wondering if I, I'm speeding, right? And by the time I see an officer's car, am I already busted or do I have time to slow down? Because I'm slamming on my brakes by the time. Like I've said, I've had my run-ins with state troopers. So, Well, the answer is it depends. So uh, officers have radars, and if you're going in the opposite direction and um, – they see and they both by judgment and guessing there's a there's a lot of there's some training and you can get really good at guessing speeds and it's is higher than guessing uh, but you use that along with the radar so if you're going in opposite directions and you're doing 60 and a 35 um, you're probably going to get I'm stopped busted. but if there's an officer that is behind you and say they're pacing you're going about your speed you're going 10 miles an hour over the speed limit um and they kind of notice you notice them um and you starting to slow down yeah uh that may okay they my job is done you notice you're speeding and it could be also 60 is not a good example but um if you're going in opposite direction and you're not going that fast and they see you're slowing down you know what they got they got the message but if you're speeding up as you're passing them that you know you didn't get the message if yeah. that answers your question. It does. Okay. Wait, I, I almost decided not to tell us, but when I was 16, the first time I ever got pulled over, it, I only went, ended up going like 46 and a 35, but I did pass an officer and he stopped me. He goes, son, 
That's like throwing an egg in my face. <laughs> and I will never forget it. And apparently it was also Lord. a national safe teen driving day. It, it hit all the wrong buttons. Oh, man. Um, I know you guys like to have fun competitions with the police department or the fire department, I should say, right. between the two. Uh, you guys had a cornhole competition we recently. Did. How did that go? We won. Oh, oh there you yeah, go. Yeah, we beat the fire department. <laughs> um, I Yes, we did. I'll awesome. take it at that. Yeah, cool. I didn't get to. I didn't get to watch the whole thing, but um, so we'll take. I guess we got some plaques or something on that. You get bragging rights. Yeah, we matters. get it for a year, and yeah. and uh, <laughs> they're great guys to work with, and and uh, we work very well together. So a little friendly competition yeah. never hurts. Anything we missed or that you'd like to add? No, um, I really appreciate this opportunity to come on and kind of give the audience uh, some more information on policing and i'm always enjoy giving that information and doing talks well, we appreciate you taking uh time out of your day to join us yes thank you all right thank you thanks for listening to the rock hill city cast episodes are available each week to stream on soundcloud google and apple Podcasts. to keep up with city of rock hill information follow us on social media